this will be the fifth straight season that there is a different NBA champion. The first, there has been a streak this long since 1975 to 1979. Parity is back, the league is deeper than it has ever been, and expansion is surely on the rise. Stick with us as we recap the NBA second round, plus some FSU sports stuff. But first, Neon Samurai. So the two best words in sports are game seven. This is lock it or leave it. I'm your host, Jay, and there's no one I'd rather discuss this with than my co-host, Cam. Cam, how you doing, man? I'm great. It was a phenomenal weekend across the board in sports. We had seven game sevens, I think, between hockey and basketball. And if you've been following our picks for the last week, we are went on a five and O streak. So Vegas is down bad. Jay's about to be down bad. It's been a great week. Yeah, that's an understatement about me being down bad, man. Patrick Beverly, you know what? Thank you to Patrick Beverly. Let's start here because on a day where there was no playoff basketball, I don't know how much NHL there was tonight. Patrick Beverly supplied ESPN and social media with enough stuff to keep us going throughout today with all the slander he was throwing at the Suns. So let's dip into this Maverick Sun series, man. And I want to start with a trade that happened in the midseason that silently might have just become one of the biggest trades in the last decade of basketball, which is Porzingis going to the Wizards, getting off of his contract. He wasn't really fitting in with Luka that well. They get back Spencer Dinwiddie and they get back Davi Bertans, two players who have had monster games this playoffs with their three-point shooting barrage. So, Cam, let me uh, let you... You're going to kill me this entire episode because you know with me and my former Porzingis take. Talk to me about that Porzingis trade and how much it helped the Mavs going into this playoff. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, there was a point where you swore to me that Kristaps was better than Giannis. Uh, you, you are on record saying that. A week before, torn Achilles Kristaps, when he was about to be an all-star that year, he was an absolute two-way player, blocking everything, 7-3, putting 40 on you. Man, I miss those days, but they are far away from that guy today, man. Wow. KP... All those times, all his touches turned back into Luka or Brunson touches, gave him more space to operate with. In an underrated storyline that I learned is that the Phoenix, oh yeah, Phoenix in 2018 hired Luka's Slovenian national team head coach, Igor Kokosov. A month later, they passed on Luka in the draft. So they had the coach who coached him. He probably told them, this guy's the real deal. And they passed on him. Well, where is he now? Igor is now on the Mavs coaching staff with front row seats watching this game seven as his team first fired him and didn't get him the player that he knew so well, man. But let's talk about Luka because this is why we're here. This changed the way I think that everyone needs to view him. We're seeing that 07 LeBron run. His all-time playoff averages, these are nuts. 
32.7 points a game, 9.3 boards, and 8.3 assists. He finished the series with more points than Booker, more rebounds than Aiton, more assists than Chris Paul, and more steals than a defensive play of the year candidate, Mikhail Bridges. And he's laughing after every bucket with Lil Wayne, who's the biggest CP fan, and all these Suns families who brought their kids out on that Sunday night to watch their team try and get that game seven. He took a ball home. And Dirk Nowitzki's laughing on the sideline. Cam, talk to me about that game and how embarrassing of a loss that was for the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, I think you hit it right on the nose. I mean, we know exactly how special Luca is. I love that quote at um, at the end of the game. By the way, the one a reporter asked Luca if he knew that he had the same amount of points at, at halftime as the Phoenix Suns did. And he laughed. He's like, "Of course I knew." And so, like, that's just awesome. I mean, we know how good he is, but we we got to go back and give a little shout out to the rest of the Mavs, the way they've been playing. David Bertans in particular has probably one of my favorite nicknames of all time, the Lafayette Blazer. He was a lights out shooter, all played great the whole series. Jalen Brunson picked it up towards the end. He, he struggled a little bit, but he found a way. And Spencer D. Whittle, 30, I think he had 30 points last night, so, something like that. Great game from him. He shot well, shot the ball fantastic. Man, you got to think the Nets probably wish they didn't let him go at this point, but. Yeah, I mean, what, what else can you say about Luca? I think you're right. It was those early Braun runs when he didn't really have a lot of help, and it was kind of just LeBron against the world. That's kind of what we're looking at right now. I don't think it'll be enough to get past Golden State in this next round, but I would not be surprised if we see Luca hoisting that Larry O'Brien trophy sooner rather than later. Yeah, absolutely, man. That was well put. I wanted to add and ask you this question because the Mavericks have offseason um, moves that they can make. Right now, they're in the Western Conference Finals, which is crazy to even think about. But they have the option to extend Jalen Brunson, and they have the option to maybe even do some signing trades this season. If you're the Mavs GM going into this offseason, are you thinking, we have Luka, let's keep these guys and try to run it back? Or what I would personally do and try to still get that extra all-star to pair with Luka? I think he still needs somebody else if you want a perennial championship team. Okay, I agree with you, and I'm going to say this, but this is not what I want to happen. But from the perspective of a Mavs, as I, if I was the Mavs GM, I'm throwing the absolute mortgage, a second mortgage on the different house. We're throwing the entire bank account at Zach Levine and trying to pair him with Luca. I think he would play. We already saw this season how great Zach Levine can play off the ball with DeMar kind of taking over that lead role in Chicago. As much as, much as I'd hate to see him leave, we know how great Zach Levine is as a player. He's above he's above 40% from three on about six to seven attempts a game. Doesn't need the ball in his hands every time. I think he would flourish with Luca's playmaking, the way he plays above the rim as well. No slouch on the defensive end either. I think Zach Levine and Luca would play very well together. I really don't hope it happens because I want him in Chicago. But as the Mavs GM, that's what I would, that's what I do. I'm not sure about Jalen Brunson. I know how good he is, but you got to remember, I mean, we know, we've learned somebody's going to offer Jalen Brunson more money than I think he's worth to pay at this moment. I'm not saying he's not a great player. We know how good he is and he's had a fantastic playoff run in all this in all three of the, or all two of the series he's played so far. And I really enjoy watching him play, but I don't think you sign Jalen Brunson to an extension just because of how much money he's going to get. 
is he could probably secure a bag with another team that won't be competitive. So if he takes less money to stay with the Mavericks and run it back with Luca, then I think that's the only way you can keep him. One more thing about Jalen Brunson, and I know you hate that when I bring this up, but he was a four-year player at Villanova, and Villanova is known for their coaching schemes. I knew, I mean, I watched him in college. He was always great in college. He fell a little bit on the draft boards due to he's kind of undersized for his position, and NBA scouts weren't really sure if his game would transfer to the next level with the way he scores. But we're seeing that's that's obviously not the case. But how much better can Jalen Brunson get from this point right here? I mean, I'm not saying he can't get better. He definitely could. But he's as a four-year player at Villanova, his ceiling may not be as high as uh, some of these other younger guys can be. And I think that does hurt his contract going forward, which is why I don't think he'll be on the I don't think he'll be a Dallas Maverick next season. Yeah, there's two sides of the spectrum when we talk about player-driven sports media. You have Pat Bev putting on his Timberlands, waking up at 4 o'clock, brushing his teeth with coffee, and then going out on first take and just slandering Chris Paul for, really, he was on Get Up, he was on first take, he was on This Just In. He did the entire ESPN runway for that time. But I think the opposite side of the spectrum is J.J. Redick, and he really broke down why the Mavs won that series. And he was saying they were trapping Devin Booker the second he did any of these PNRs. Whenever CP did a PNR, they're late switching, they're trapping and blitzing, and it all comes back to this. And this is where I'll start the J apology, because sadly, this takes some time to actually go through how wrong I was about all of this. Let's start off with J.J. Redick saying the Phoenix Suns have one of the worst shot profiles in the modern NBA. What three types of shots do you want as an NBA team? You want three-pointers, you want free throws, and you want layups. Those are the three types of shots that you want. The Phoenix Suns rank bottom five in the regular season in three-point attempts and free throw attempts. And in the playoffs, they're 15th out of 16th in the league in three-point attempts. They just don't generate enough pressure on the rim to create three-point opportunities. So, Cam, I'll toss it to you real quick. You can bask in your glory. Man. I was about, I was about to say, it's kind of weird how uh, three of the top teams, three out of the four teams that are left are top five in uh, three-point efficiency this season. Weird how that works and how with Golden State, uh, Boston, and Miami, Miami was number one this season actually in three-point efficiency. But it's weird how uh, the teams that are the best three-point shooters are the ones that are still in the playoffs. I know uh, that's got to sing a little bit, but I mean, I think you, one more thing about JJ Redick, his podcast is great. I, th- I think he does a really great job of breaking it down compared to Pat Bev, but yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. The Suns can't this, I mean, you're, you hate mid range, but mid range is why the Suns lost. If you hate is in, in the playoffs, I mean, this, the, the game slows down and you do have to take more mid range shots. I'm not saying that. But if you're not shooting the threes enough, especially against a great shooting team the way Dallas was playing last night, you're going to get done. And CP zero rings is going to stay with zero rings, unfortunately. Especially that quote from last season did not age well. He's like, he's like, now that I got a taste of the finals, I'm addicted to it. Yeah, that that did not Uh, freezing cold takes, freezing cold takes, man. But yeah, going off of that, that's where my um, apology keeps going. Because if you don't allow CP and you don't allow book to get into their actions early and not weave around the screens. What does that mean? They aren't getting those nail and elbow jumpers. Devin Booker without that elbow jumper is looking like a flopper out there throwing his head back when he was just saying the Lucas special after he 
actually flopped his way into a flagrant foul. And this is where this big question comes into hand because with Devin Booker, he took a hit. And what happens is Tatum didn't. Tatum actually did the exact opposite of what Tatum did. I mean, of, of Booker. These are those games where you're a young player in the league. It's a game seven. This is the most important game of your career. People will remember how you perform in these types of games. It comes down to, are you great or not? Are you that type of guy or not? We saw that one of them who was talking early as a front runner was not. And Jason Tatum going out for 46 to force a game seven. And then that team effort by Boston to beat the Celtics. Absolutely just different sides of the spectrum of what we're seeing with this young talent in the league. But even with how good Tatum is, I still think Luka is still at the gap for young players in this league. How do you feel about that? How big of a gap do you see between Luka and Tatum? I would definitely say there is still a gap, I mean, especially with the way Luka's been. You got you to look at his success in the playoffs as well. I mean, Tatum's no slouch as well, but he's had some games where he's had an off shooting night or the, it's just not going his way. We, we haven't really seen that from Luka yet. So I would still say Luka is the standard currently for young players just to see how they can perform in the regular season. And I mean, I know your your standard model is what have you done for me recently in the past uh in the past week. So, I mean, I'm glad to hear you apologize for, uh, that's Devin cap. Booker. That's cap. It's what have you done for me in the playoffs? What that's have you what done for me in the past week is usually <laughs> the standard you go to. Yeah. But so with that, with that mantra, we definitely have Booker outside the top 50 then currently, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. That's a perfect segue to keep just going with Tatum into this Bucks Celtics series. Cause the other game seven occurred at three 30. And this is kind of the, um, the kind of thing where it's, you're talking about the best team or the better team versus the best player. We saw the Celtics' absolute team efforts. Giannis had 44-20-9 in game six, and they still took that loss. I'll say this, man. Seeing Tatum actually look at Giannis mano a mano across the court when Giannis is putting up a 40-20 almost triple-double and saying, I can still do my game. I can still play my game. And putting up 46 to match that. Watching, it was like watching two Titans, basically, going back and forth at the top of their craft. Some takeaways from that game is that the Bucks intentionally losing to draw Chicago first round instead of the Nets came back to pay because they don't have that game seven in Milwaukee. You're going to Boston. And people may say that home games or home court advantage isn't that important in today's game. Maybe not for the star players, but for the role players, the people like we saw Reggie Bullock, his shooting splits home and away this season in the playoffs are absolutely incredible. When role players are home, they shoot the ball with that much more confidence. Hell, we saw Peyton Pritchard go, um, I forgot how many attempts. He hit four threes and he's yelling to his bench screaming, this is what I do. That's because that home crowd is just uplifting him. They're the sixth man on that team, and it means so much more. How do you feel about teams overall? Kind of, What's your take on them positioning themselves in the playoffs in certain ways instead of maybe going for home court later on? I mean, I think, I think you're exactly right. I mean, home court advantage does matter in the playoffs, especially. I mean, I 
I really liked your point about how it doesn't really affect like the Gian- Giannis is going to be Giannis regardless of what arena he's in, but the players, uh, the players that struggled in that game, Pat Connington, um, Grayson Allen, the Bucks role players really didn't perform that well in game seven and Boston's did. I mean, Boston's running an interesting, I'm a little worried about them in the next series against the heat, even though I do like them to beat the heat. But the issue is with Boston is they, they pretty much run a seven man rotation right now. I mean, maybe eight when you get uh, Al Horford back or not Al Horford, uh, Rob Williams, excuse me. I heard he just got cleared to play this morning for the in game one. If you didn't see that, but that could be an interesting, that could just be an interesting see if they still have the legs beneath them. I mean, Miami had over almost, almost a week off and Boston just played game seven, two days ago. So that's a struggle. I mean, got to give a shout out to Grant Williams though, for tying Steph Curry's record for hitting seven threes in game seven. That's an awesome moment for him. I mean, there he's that's Boston's a great shooting team. So we'll see if they can keep it rolling into the next series against the heat. Our bets for the weekend, how everything kind of went. I put this up on TikTok, but I'll kind of go more in depth here. Like Cam said earlier on Instagram, we started posting bets that we really, really like that you can place, you can trail on prize picks. If you use our code leave, get 100% back on your first deposit of up to $100. Put your entries in and win money if you really think that you know what you're talking about. And we post our bets and we're 5-0 and so far, spanning basketball, spanning hockey. Can't wait for those. But for player props, it was a little up and down week for us. Cam, I'll let you start off. Talk about some of the bets you hit. And some of the bets that you didn't future bets can be involved in this one also. Yeah, I had a great, I had a great weekend. I ca- finally cashed my uh, Nikola Jokic MVP bet. It was nice to get that off. I also had a Tatum Tatum getting over five and a half rebounds is probably my favorite one of the week. I think he had six at, I think he had five at halftime. Yeah. It was just yeah. Like, Thank you I, for that, that was, easy hitter. Yeah, that was a total easy bet. I, my, my worst beat of the week is I did take the Bucks plus five and a half in game seven. Unfortunately, that one did not go my way, but absolutely amazing week. We definitely will have some more player prop picks for you guys coming up with these next finals games. And um, I'm interested as well. Aaron texted me and wanted me to remember this. He is saying the horsecock lock of the century is the Lightning to beat the Panthers in their upcoming series. Uh, Tampa Bay just won game seven in Toronto, if you didn't see that. But the Panthers have a, have a history of embarrassing collapses in the playoffs. So, Chad, if, you, if you're listening to this, uh, Aaron is going on record saying that the uh, Lightning in five. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. How about you? I mean, how'd you finish up this week? Yeah, that's perfect, man. What we talked about, well, I don't think you dipped into this one. Thank you for letting me dive into it. It's the Warriors series bet over the Grizzlies that we caught at minus 245. We got it before the series started. And we're thinking, you know what? Why not? Why are we not even like, don't hesitate. Let's take it because we did it first round and it also hit first round against the Nuggets. We're kind of debating whether we should do it minus 255 against the Dallas Mavericks. I'm hesitant because I have a current future bet for the Warriors to win the Western Conference, which got me a lot better odds than maybe taking a series bet for some bets that I won, some bets that I lost. I went three and three that I posted on TikTok three or four days ago. But like I said on there, I don't only post when I win. I also post when I lose. Let's get into some of the things that I did not hit on and then maybe something that I hit on later on we did not hit on Jalen Brown 
over two and a half threes in game seven. We did not hit on Drew Holiday over 21 and a half points. He had 21. That was an absolute killer. We did hit by the skin of our toes. We hit Giannis's under 55 and a half points, rebounds, assists. He finished with 54. So that at least made back, and we put the most money on that one, so that made back some of it. And then lastly, the Suns two-team parlay. Late flyer I threw in there. Suns to win. Jay Crowder to have two threes. Whew. Overall, because the Warriors series bet, we stayed up. But damn, uh, did not go how I planned for it to go on Game 7, Cam. I just want to ask you real quick before we uh, move on to before the state stuff. What are your series predictions for the East and Western Conference and how many games are they going? I like that you did this because we can make a video and come back to it and see how see how it did. For the Warriors-Mavs, I'm conflicted, man. That's a tough series because Luka actually, like at this point, for me, Luka over Steph. Is that, are you feeling the same way? Are we on the same page there? Luka over Steph. Do you think Steph comes out of this series if you just put him on the Mavs and Luka's spot? See, this is more of a what have you done for the last week for me kind of opinion. No, I'm still not taking Luca over Steph. It is very, very close now. Like, that's not a ridiculous thing for you to say. I mean, I think that's a fair point. But you got to look at Steph's you got to look at Steph's success in the playoffs. He's leading the fate. They are the title favorite right now, according. They're plus one twenty to win the NBA Finals or one twenty five. Steph's also the front runner for MVP or Finals MVP right now, and he's going to probably win. Him or Luca is going to win the first ever Magic Johnson Western Conference MVP award, and that's so. I'm not really a big fan of those, but I'm still taking Steph over Luca. Yeah, I think at this point, it's splitting hairs. I'm not mad at either decision right now. Luca may not have the Lifetime Achievement Awards that Steph has, but right now, currently, I think it's anyone's. But that's not the point. My whole point was to say that you're getting someone at the who, which is crazy to say, he's going 07 LeBron Apex Powers at 23 years old, going up against a three-time NBA champion. I'm going, I'm going Golden State in six. I'm going Golden State in six. I'm going, um, whew, this one's a tough one. I think I'm taking Boston in seven, and I'm taking Boston in seven because Robert Williams being back, I think, is going to be huge. I think they have not so many bigs, but Al Horford and Rob Williams, they have so many types of lineups they can throw. The Heat can also. The Heat are, let me not try to undermine the Heat at all. I just think right now, if we're talking about Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero as your two main scoring options, I'd rather have JB and Tatum personally. And I think the role players around the Celtics, Grant Williams, they're all lockdowns. I I don't know. I cannot wait for this series because the Heat have the same exact thing that I'm saying the Boston Celtics do. What are yours? And then we can uh, switch over to the FSU sports. Okay, uh, it's weird because we usually don't always have the same opinions, but I agree with both of you, both of your opinions on both of them. Uh, I already have a bet in to have the Warriors win in six games. It's plus 425 right now, so I'm riding with that. And I agree with the – see, Rob Williams is a different – is a difference maker for Boston. Daniel Tice doesn't have to play anymore, and uh, Big Al is going to have another – there's no way he doesn't have one more monster performance thrown back father time in the dirt. 
but uh yeah i think the really as much as i hate to as, and all my for all my friends that are heat fans are going to hate this opinion in the playoffs it comes down to when there's two minutes on the clock and the game is tied which team has the better player who has the guy who can be the guy when all of your other options go to shit and out of the four teams that are left in the playoffs the heat's guy is the worst guy unfortunately and i think that's in i think that's going to be their downfall i mean tatum and jalen or that's that's an elite duo i mean i love jimmy butler he's we chicago drafted him he gave us a lot of great years with derrick rose so i mean I think I think this is as far as they can go, though. I'm going to ride with you in Boston in seven. Last thing I want to say before we go over is I'm actually really excited for the coaching matchups, too. Ime Udoka, really, really good first-year coach. He had some lumps at the beginning because people thought he was being a little too harsh. He was getting too honest players. That harshness got them ready for moments like these when you're in a must-win game six at Milwaukee and you got to pull out those games because it doesn't matter in that playoff atmosphere you got to be ready for anything so I love that all four coaches have been NBA players Jason Kidd Steve Kerr Ime Udoka and who we talked oh excuse me no Eric Spolstra has not been an NBA player he's a video coordinator but I'm really looking forward to these coaching matchups I think that's going to be another important part because the playoffs are about adjustments it's about who you can put out in a game three that maybe you didn't put out in a game two that the other team wasn't expecting you to do but that'll wrap up basically the NBA playoffs talk we'll be back for the next time to talk about the game ones of the conference finals but I wanted to end off on FSU sports because we are killing it as of usual lately, man. Talking about some sports, FSU baseball, we beat Miami. The U, putting the U down. Everyone knows that. Put that in the video. Uh, Parker Messick, a friend of the podcast and a guest, joined us. He was absolutely pitching really well. Wyatt Corwell came on. He started pitching really well. That's a great way to end our season. FSU softball, number two national seed going into the uh, playoffs emily madrill the boogie woman two goals for racing louisville fc nwsl team that's the national women's soccer league for america here we just have studs doing it in college and in the pros and then malik and polite plus jbj news cam i'll toss it into you here what have you been hearing about jbj that's john butler jr one of our former guests friend of the podcast who's a 7-2 sniper who got in draft to the yeah, to the draft, Kim. I'll just let you take it away. Yeah, so I mean, ob- JB John is uh, training right now, getting ready for the NBA draft. We don't know where he's going to go or when, but I mean, if you're if you're an NBA scout and you're viewing John Butler, you are viewing this as a project that has. I don't want to say I don't want to say it too high, but unlimited potential the a seven footer who's shot almost 40 percent from three it was art was the best shooter on florida state's team last season he's got a seven two wingspan i think or seven three wingspan he's great on uh, great quick defensive feet he's gr- great motor goes both directions very well very fluid handles the ball well for his size i mean he's exactly what you're looking for in the nba he's a little undersized so he'll have to put some weight on but I mean, he is 19 years old, so he has plenty of time to for growth and development. I'm excited to see where he falls. 
and um, I've been in, I've been in contact with him most days. So he's, I think he's in, I'm not sure where he is. He just, he was in New York for a while, but I mean, he might be back in, um, I think he went home for a while just to see his family and stuff, but yeah, he's getting ready for the draft. Really excited. I think we're going to have him on for another podcast after the draft. We also have uh, Anthony polite is coming on soon to uh, recap the Florida state season with us and touch on some of the highlights. So that should be a good one. Look forward to that. Hopefully we'll have Aaron back for the next one. He had some business to take care of today. So yeah. Yeah, John Butler Jr., when he came on the podcast, he said, I chose Florida State because they told me I'm not going to be playing center. I'm not going to be playing in the paint mostly. They're going to use me as a guard, not just on offense, on defense. We're watching that game. We're courtside for every game, Cam. We're seeing it right under the basket. He's shooting a three, picking up 94 feet, their point guard, and then blocking his shot and starting the fast break again. In a span of 30 seconds, that dude is going to translate. Give me some more. Yeah, I mean, you, you got to know a uh, top three NBA pick, Paulo Benchero, still has nightmares from overtime when uh, John blocked his shot at the rim to to help help seal our victory against Duke in overtime. Still probably, no, not not probably, still the greatest sporting event I've ever been to. NBA games, NFL games, NHL games, nothing, nothing could match the atmosphere of being courtside. I could feel, I still get, I get chills when I think about it. I could feel the bleachers vibrating. It was so loud in there and the amount of people that were pushing towards us, getting ready to storm the court. Like I could, I I thought I wasn't even going to be able to get my leg over the rail. It was so, it was so loud in there. The bleachers were shaking. You couldn't even, I was standing right next to Jay and I couldn't hear anything he was saying. Not that he was trying to talk to me anyways, but it was just unreal atmosphere. And you know, Paulo still has nightmares from that loss. So it's going to be interesting to see them match up again in the NBA one day. Yeah. Um, we'll definitely talk to Anthony polite about that whole experience when he comes on and how it kind of was to be on the court or at least be on the sidelines kind of feeling what the tuck was feeling like. I'm interested to see if that, if this um, Duke upset is louder than the Trent Forrest dunk. Cause we always hear that was formerly the loudest time it's ever been in the tuck. Can't wait for that. And Malik lastly talked to Malik recently. He said that he's going to Texas also to start training for the combine, start training for the draft. So good luck to him. We're also trying to get MJ Walker on trying to get some other guys on too. We just want to keep showing you guys that FSU sports is ridiculously good in all aspects. Uh, and let us know in the comments, let us know on our social media, platforms maybe what guests you guys want to hear on this podcast and we can't wait to just keep giving you guys more content but with that being said that'll wrap up the pod for today let's start these sign-offs man cam thank you again for coming on tonight and talking about these uh they'll probably be seeing this tuesday morning so uh thank you again man yeah i'm glad we got this in i mean there's no basketball on tonight there's no hockey on tonight so i didn't have anything else to do so i'm glad we got to get this in before this next round starts I've been thinking about it since you mentioned it earlier, and I probably, even though I do have that bet on the Warriors to win the West, I probably will end up dabbling on that series bet as well. So, I mean, I think, I mean, are we going to ride with Warriors win game one and Boston wins game one, or does Miami win because it's in Miami? What do you think? I think I'm taking Warriors heat, but those, those are the two favorites, and that rarely happens. So let's check the money percent tomorrow and then really analyze what we'll be doing after that, man. Thank you guys again, man. Any last words, Cam? 
No, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, just keep interacting with us on all of our social media. We're trying to do a better job of expanding more onto those platforms to put out as much content as possible for you guys. So, uh, yeah, that's about it. All right, so with that being said, appreciate you guys for listening again. We'll be back for these Game 1 or Game 2 reactions. Until then, deuces. Peace.